If you are a teacher, parent, administrator, student, and or anyone who loves reconnecting children with nature, and you want to figure out how to cultivate learning gardens and nature-based curriculum, then this is the podcast, the Outdoor Classrooms Podcast. My name is Victoria Hackett. I am the founder of OutdoorClassrooms.com and the Secret Gardens Nature Classes. I love witnessing the magic that happens when children are playfully learning outdoors, observing the return of wonder and curiosity. Curiosity when children are interacting with nature is pure magic. This is the podcast that is going to help you capture children's interest and give you not only inspiration, but some real life strategies that are going to help you figure out how to use the outdoor space, your outdoor space, as a teaching tool so you can enlighten the playful learning experience for young children. Welcome to our Outdoor Classrooms community. Do you love nature-based children's books? Well, you are going to love my new freebie. It is a compilation of many of my favorite children's books put into a library PDF where it is sectioned off into the four types of gardens. Children's books are a wonderful place to find inspiration for any lesson. I invite you to explore my nature-based children's book library and get seeds of inspiration for outdoor learning. So you can choose one or more books to complement your existing curriculum or simply scan all the nature-based books in the library for inspiration. The choice is yours. Go check it out at www.outdoor-classrooms.com and you will see it on the homepage. Hello, we have Bridger Han here. She is an educator and lifelong gardener. She delights in building healthy ecosystems and community-focused growth mindset-centered outdoor classrooms. She is following her heart and is merging these two passions by providing discovery and learning opportunities in her own outdoor classroom that she is creating in her garden. Working in collaboration with the physical world as a learning tool and teacher. She's aiming to build connections and relationships with nature and among children. She is a native to North Carolina and she studied nonprofit management at the College of Charleston before receiving a Master of Arts in Education from the University of North Carolina in Wilmington. She has been a classroom teacher for the last decade where she enjoyed putting her love for nurturing young minds into practice. She feels most at home immersed in nature, being that we are nature. She finds that to be our best teacher. She has recently created an outdoor classroom environment in her home garden to share with children and families. She is so excited to transition from teaching indoors to outdoors where children can get their hands dirty, make noise, and grow through experiential learning. Her mission is to empower young minds while building connections and environmental awareness. She also believes the benefits of outdoor learning for children to be numerous and well documented. She believes that when we have a relationship with nature, we are more inclined to advocate and protect it. Bridger is also a circle member in our community. Without further ado, Bridger Hahn. 
Hello, everybody. We have Bridger Han here from the Wild Earth Wonder Programs, and she is in North Carolina. She is also a circle member in our community. So I'm thrilled to have her here, share her story. Welcome, Bridger. Hey, Victoria. So we are going to dive right in. I would love for you to share your story, kind of a peek behind the scenes of your journey before becoming a nature-based educator. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's it's new to me. I've actually been doing this for officially for six weeks. I did start out with a spring break and some summer camps just to kind of get my feet wet, hosting and having people at my house. But I have been a public school educator for the past 10 years. I started out as an assistant in a second grade classroom when my now 12 year old was was one. I stayed home with him for the first year and then I thought, huh, I got to go back to work and I don't know what to do. I'd done real estate before and I got a degree from the College of Charleston in South Carolina, my undergraduate in arts management and had never done anything with that. And so I was like, you know, if if Zeke has to go to school, I think I want to go to school with Zeke. So I went to the local, you know, our local school at the end of our street and, and just grabbed a little assistant job, fell in love with the just the, the, the community that you build and, and the camaraderie that you have with the teachers and, and the students and the parents. And it's just such a strong sense of community. And then I went on to get my master's in education. So because I just I knew I was ready to lead my own classroom. And and so I've been in the public school setting in fifth grade. And then I have been at this really sweet elementary school. If you hear children yelling, it's the school. <laughs> They're a block away from me. And I've been, I was in second grade. This would have been my seventh year. So I was there for six years. My little boy, Zeke, we moved to this little island from our town city that we're a part of Wilmington. Um, but it feels like you're in a, once you, you move over here, you call it the island and nobody ever wants to leave. Mm-hmm. It's just a bridge. It's like literally a bridge, you know, but we're like, oh gosh, I, I'm, I have to leave the island. You need anything? You know, our friends, like we pick things up for each other and it's really, really nice. I just really wanted to slow down. That's why we came over here. Just after grad school and working full time with a three-year-old, I was like, wow, life's only going to get busier. How can we slow down? And so moving over here to Carolina Beach was that attempt for us. But as any public school teacher knows that that's all consuming and you're trying to slow down and find more space and time. But, you know, as a, a teacher in the public school system, and all the systems are different, so different. It just gets to be, especially through the pandemic and just all of the transitions. And we we had such a, I feel like we had an interim superintendent during the pandemic. And then right after when we all kind of were going back, we got a new superintendent. And I really did just start feeling, I start, I cultivated a very deep ritualistic practice of gardening during COVID. And that really got me through. and so many unknown moments and brought me just joy. Even though you don't know everything that's going to happen, you don't have all the answers. There's just so much beauty and awe and wonder when we step outside our back doors. And so I really started feeling more and more aligned with being outside under the sun and the fresh air and being inside under fluorescent lights with Glade plugins. No offense to people that love those Glade plugins, but because I'm aware of the things that are in it, I just, it's so hard to tolerate. So 
I just knew that I would be able to serve my community. I, it's just, it was just kind of a magical scenario mm. to, to work here, to get to know the, the parents and the students and to have that relationship with them, that they want to come see me here. They know me as Miss Han, and I have new students that now know me as Miss Bridger. But um, it's really fun to offer that to the parents, too, because there are a lot of work, you know, parents that work from home here on the island. And they are just so happy to know that their child gets to come here and be outside with with friends and community for, you know, till 530, 6 o'clock in the evening. And I do that one day a week, actually two days a week. But um, it's just it gives them peace of mind to know that they can get some work done and not have to battle the I want to watch TV. I want to be on my device. And they're outside and they're getting worn out and they're and they're fun and they're learning. They're having fun. So so that's how I ended up here. It was a very deep that's inner great. calling. Yeah, very so deep inner calling. How does did now you're teaching outdoors? You've mm-hmm. create you're beginning creating your own program. How has that and you've been in the schools for years and years and years? How has the transition to teaching outdoors transformed your philosophy of education, the way that you teach. Yeah, it's so nice now to just let the students go at their own pace. It's very child-led. I'll have an idea of what I want to teach and I'll have the materials prepped. But as you know, and I've heard from so many of your other fellow guests that you just kind of, you know, the things that they, they discover. I have this amazing backyard. I don't know if you can see it, but so I'm in the back corner and you can see all the way across the yard. It's a double lot here. Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty large. And I've been cultivating the space now for six years and I haven't put any chemicals and I've created garden beds where there, there was nothing back here except oak trees, which are lovely, of course. But I've added so many herbs and flowers and, and trees and things that I've kind of rescued, like a branch that I found on the ground. And I, I, th- I looked up and saw that it was a part of this beautiful tree. And I thought, oh, I want to see if I can grow one of these trees. And and having those stories and the connection to the space, I think is really, really a unique experience for my, for my students. That was my next question. Uh, So thinking about, yes, your outdoor space. So you are in a backyard outdoor classroom. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you give us sort of an overview of a, and description of your outdoor learning spaces. I see there's a picture here. So again, those that are listening, this is another outdoor classrooms tour and talk. And the members of our circle community get to see these uh, beautiful pictures. Uh, And Bridger is a member of our community. And so those that are listening, obviously, will just hear our stories through the podcast. But yeah, well, uh, actually, this is the mud, mud kitchen I see. This is a mud kitchen. It's, it was actually a bar that my husband built for his 40th birthday. That was two years ago. It was kind of up tall. And he doesn't really even drink a lot, but he just got out here and started building a bar. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Okay. And and we used it for the party and it was great fun. And then I said, you know, we haven't used that. That was two years ago. So it's really cool. And he lowered it. So it was, it was high for adults and he lowered it. So it's this nice little bar top and he put a little tin roof up here on it so we can create flower shop or it can be a store or a, a play area. We could do we can do curtains and the kids love coming back here. And then there's a little picnic table 
out in front. So, and they have just the best time right now, just mixing things like finding flowers and making different colored waters and and doing that. They love to do that. So that's fun for them. They love the mud kitchen. And I really love, I hosted a birthday party here this weekend and it was just so fun to see the boys, like all the little boys over here, just, you know, making mud pies and playing and stirring and it was really cool. So this is the far right hand side of my yard, which is kind of like a little corridor from the mud kitchen. And this old log is actually something that my husband, he, I think he was surfing on Mason Borough, which is a, a barrier island near us. And he had our boat. We have like a little 78 Boston whaler, like 17 feet. And he saw this piling and it was after Hurricane Florence. And somehow he drug it back to the boat or with the boat to the boat ramp and put it in the boat. I don't know how he did it because it's very heavy, but I'm grateful because it's a really fun piling that he actually used. He might use some of it for a tree house. I'm not sure, but it's just kind of fun for the kids to walk on and do different things. And and this scrap wood, it's just amazing. I love finding all the things as, as I was cleaning up and getting ready for creating the space. I found these little half circle pieces of wood and they're actually cutouts from the tree house that he made for the tree to go through. And and he didn't throw them away because he thought, what a cool thing. And so my kids, one of them came and said, that could make the the log look like a dragon or a dinosaur. So, you know, painted it green. And, and my mom was here this weekend and she said, well, are you going to nail them down or something? And I said, no, mom, don't you see the sign? This is loose parts. <laughs> you nailed it down, there would be no, you know, loose parts. It was really cute. So we're so, looking at a picture of your beautiful contraptions and yeah, treehouse. So, and- yep. And this was all brush. In the beginning of August, this whole back corner of our yard, we did not use. It was just all grown up, understory kind of things. And I had some volunteers come, some friends come and help me on the hottest, most sultry August day. The mosquitoes are terrible out here. And and I have been, this is like a dream come true to me, Victoria, because I have been wanting bunnies for several years because their poop was the only manure you can put directly on your gardens. So it's amazing fertilizer. And I have a flower business as well that I've been just growing cut flowers and selling them to my communities and doing small weddings here and there when I, as time allowed and as time permits and allows me to do. But my husband was very much against any kind of animal. And he said, if you want to live on a farm, let's move to the country. And I was like, well, we can't do that. So we just have to like make the most of, you know, where we are and let's get some bunnies. And, but once I decided to do this, this venture, he said, you know, Bunnies could be nice for the kids. So I also have my fertilizer and really sweet creatures that the kids really enjoy taking care of and getting to know. And it's That's been great. really, it's, it's really fun. So have you faced any challenges in your outdoor teaching practice? I think. Or right, your classroom? Well, for me, I think I'm just, because I'm so new and I'm learning, I think, you know, I have a homeschool group, so that's more of learning focused, but the after school group, you know, I I might have an intention to read a book, but they don't want to hear a book after school. They really don't. So I'll have baskets of books out that they can pick up. And it's really cute because the little ones are, they love to show me the library books that they get. And they're checking out books on bunnies and like things that we've talked about, you know, here. So, so with the after school, I just kind of, I actually meet with the homeschool group first. So whatever our topic is, you know, I have things planned for them to do and make and explore and and scavenge for. And then for after school, it's just optional. Like I have those Mm -hmm. things available and ready for them, but they don't have to do anything. They just want to get here and run around and play and collect things and create restaurants in the treehouse, kitchens and 
And then the boys, like, it's just so cute to see them grabbing different things from around the yard and my gardening bench and making music, you know, making a band out of everything. So just seeing and hearing their conversations at the art table, just I love that they get to just kind of come and be outside and decompress and not have that stimulation of always like being plugged in or just the stimulation you get from just being inside too with a lot of other little people. Yeah, it's finding that get getting regulated again. Getting regulated so, and seeing so them like hard. stop and look and be curious about things. And you know, we've sown seeds and pulled weeds and made beds and you know, they're really excited about that in the beginning and then and then they're like, ah oh, no, I don't think I want to pull any more weeds today. But but it's really cute just to see their different personalities just kind of shine, you know, different in a way. So what inspires you? What inspires you to go on this quest? You were leaving a very secure job at teaching and really felt a calling to open up your own outdoor classroom and continue your flower business. And so what gets you up in the morning? What inspires you? What I think I'd have to say that cultivating joy is what really inspires me. And that is just really what led me to this is just figuring out that I have so believing in myself too, and that I have so much to offer the world and I cannot offer it if I'm not in a place of joy, Hmm. Uh, you know, personally, I, I can't, I just can't. It's just like, I feel like with my secure job and all that came with that, I feel like my creativity was just like, it just was gone. More and more, we have more scripted curriculum and less and less time to do those less and less time. Maybe even just to not, maybe we can definitely find time to do it, but it's just the, the mental capacity to, to be inspired to create these things for, for kids in that, in the setting of the classroom. And my last year there, I was so lucky because I had an amazing intern from UNCW. Mm. It was my first year having a student teacher. Our personalities meshed. She actually took over my classroom and she came out here last week or two weeks ago on a Wednesday and she looked around and she saw the kids around having so much fun. And she said, this was what you were talking about last year. Yeah. This is your dream. This is your dream. So I feel like I just had this vision that I had something else to give and it was a very deep inner calling and I knew that if I didn't do it, I was going to only be able to be angry with one person or disappointed in one person. And that was myself. If I didn't do it, there was no one else holding me back because at first when I mentioned it to my husband, you know, I think I told you that Victoria, he was like, uh, a classroom in our backyard. No, (laughs) you know, absolutely not. But then after doing research and finding other people that see value in outdoor classrooms and other parents just kind of when I would be, you know, all last year when I would see any homeschool parents, I would say that are friends of mine, I would tell them my idea and they would say, we need that here. We need that here. Our kids need that. And just getting to the place where I could share my my dreams inside was part of moving me forward. You know, for a Mm -hmm. while I was like, this is this thing in here, but I can't say it because it, it's just, it's too far off. It's just, there's no way possible I could make that happen. Yeah. So but one of the slides that we're looking at is we, all your different programs. Yeah. And they have a lot to do with literacy, which is awesome. So you have books and bunnies with Bridger, after school Thursdays, after school Wednesdays, any ideas of what prompted the classes? Was it sort of a need based where your community was saying, we want this? Was it something that you wanted to start yourself? What 
Well, it was definitely something that I wanted to start myself and that I knew that I'd build a reputation as an educator and a community member that loves to grow pretty flowers and adorn ceremonies and, and connect people, connect people, spread joy, spread love through flowers. And I just, I, I had a belief and faith that if I kind of like, you know, field of dreams, if you build it, they will come. And I felt like I had just enough reach in the community that, that I could build it and they would come. Mm. So I just kind of took a leap of faith and it was very scary at first. And even now this is my second month and people are signing up for my after school, you know, the second session, I, I sold the first session as a six week session. And then after, you know, figuring that I have to keep books too, which is not easy that it would probably be easier to do four-week sessions. So just transitioning to that. And and there's that fear that's like, oh, they're doing it this one time, but are they going to do it again? And and they love it. You just can't go wrong with kids outside yeah. with nature. And, but, and you don't have to have a big space. You don't have to have a farm. You don't have to have a forest. You so have, have you support that you've needed in the circle community? What? Oh, gosh, Victoria. Well, when I've decided to make the leap of faith, which was July 17th, <laughs> um, was my like last day that I could put in a notice. I immediately I did it, and then I thought, okay, well it's go time. This is it. I got to do this, and I I just kind of searched like outdoor outdoor classrooms, outdoor nature, nature education on Audible, Spotify, and I came across your podcast, and I was like, oh my god, this is so what I need, and I just devoured podcast after podcast after podcast after podcast as I was cleaning out and preparing a space in my home, which I want to talk to you about this, in my home in case of inclement weather, so what you don't see in these pictures is my, I have a wraparound porch on the front. So if you see this picture here, that's the bunny hutch is right behind that. Mm -hmm. And it, that wasn't here yet. And that was in July. Wow. So, you know, it was kind of like time is of the essence. Once I put in that, that notice and I had to create something and I had to do it quick and I needed a little, I needed inspiration and I'm so grateful to have found you. And I feel like there was one of you interviewed someone. I just, I wish that I could play a guitar and sing a song like her. Claire, is her name Claire Nugent? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. my gosh. Yes. She sang during the interview. <laughs> I know. And I was like, oh, I want to learn how to sing and play guitar because I'm not a singer and I don't play I'm not guitar. either. I'm not either. That was like, oh, I wish I could sing. And then she just sort of broke. And she not only sang once, she sang a couple times. So she's, yeah, she's a gem. She's got the sweetest little voice. I do want, I think she has a, she has a book. I think I have that in my, my on my wish list that I haven't shared with anybody, but I should share my Wild Earth Wonder wish list because I have some family members that have said, hey, what do you need? We'll get you yeah. stuff. But I just have Wonderful. a heart. I haven't posted a link because I just, I don't like asking for things, but I know at this point I really need to because yeah. it's all mine. Yeah. We've talked about that in our, in our circle community. We did take, to, yep. We did talk about that. that. Yeah. Well, I did so, also get some stumps because oh. One of our friends on that call said, oh, you can just call a tree service. And so I did that. And my husband and I went and picked up some beautiful stumps. So I'm excited. Oh, that's awesome. See, it's those little seeds of inspiration that we pick up. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love this picture. And I'm going to be after I get some time and make one myself. So this is a 
old board that she painted yellow and it says the compost cycle. Mm-hmm. So I have sort of compost kitchen, but I didn't think about actually drawing pictures of the whole compost cycle, which is really what really wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and I love how I'm very, very big on uh, sign signage and really adding signs to your outdoor space. Cause I really think signs change your outdoor space truly into an outdoor classroom. Right. And when I saw this, I'm like, it's so organic. It's so sort of homemade DIY. So can you just share a little bit about where the inspiration behind this yeah. compost cycle sign? I'm very passionate about composting because I'm very passionate about healing the earth. And I think when you said what inspires you, I think, and I said, it's the joy. But for me, cultivating that joy to share with others so that I can inspire others it is connecting with nature. Can't fill up unless I'm tuned in. And I don't know if you're into astrology or anything, but I am, and I'm all air and fire signs. I have no earth in my chart. And so I think that's really why I, I live at the beach, but I would so much prefer for my husband to go surfing and Zeke, my son to go swimming or do whatever. I don't want to go to the beach. I just want to be left alone with my hands in the garden, in the dirt, mm. and seeing the critters and cultivating, you know, healthy soil and sowing the seeds and and just, I love that. That's my, that's Beautiful. my thing. So you can't grow anything without compost. So it's really important for me also to, to, to close that loop and to um, keep things out of the landfill. It's so important. Our landfill here in New Hanover County is reaching its max and, you know, landfills, they have an expiration date Yeah, where you have to like figure something else out. And we're kind of at that we're getting really close to that place. And I think a lot of people are starting to, to realize that it's just a really easy way to eliminate waste in the landfill, but also create abundance in your garden, in your own backyard. Yeah, fantastic. We have uh, compost bins in our uh, outdoor classroom, the secret gardens as well. And it's just so fun. The kids go over there looking for worms and it's mm-hmm. become, you know, you have a relationship with the compost, you know, it's, yeah. it's a fun place it's to very living. Much. I'm like, oh, I never thought my compost would be a destination. You know, so it's nice. This is another great picture of two boys playing the mandolin. These are um, ukuleles that hang ukuleles. inside my house. Yep. And these boys are twins that are in the fourth grade. One of them was in my class when he was in second grade and they're really cute and you know everybody was in the yard I have this big deck and everybody was in the yard doing their own things and I looked up and these two were just sitting side by side mm. strumming these ukuleles they they probably don't play ukuleles at home but they were just exploring and experimenting with them and it was really it was just a beautiful sight for me to see that so I had to snap yeah. a little picture yeah anything else that you'd like to share that we have not touched upon yeah, yeah, if you were to give a seat of inspiration or a tip or to either an educator, a fellow educator that's interested in like the woman that took over your class or a parent, yes. what yes. would that be? I mean, you've been at it you're in, at the beginning stages, which I love. I love that people are coming on the podcast and not afraid to say, you know, I've only been doing this for X amount of weeks or so and so forth to really yeah. showcase. Then we'll come back a year later and right. see what see what happens, see where, see what happens, see where it's yeah. going. And that's, I, I feel like I'm kind of on this journey where I don't necessarily need or have to know where I'm going or where I'm going to end up. I just know it's, I know what I don't want. And I know I'm headed in a direction that is very aligned with my values and my beliefs and and the kind of world that I want to create and the kind of learning environments that I want to create. I think. So would that be your seed? Would that be your? I think so. But I also think it's really, really important to to celebrate mistakes for Mm. our children. 
for our children, our own mistakes. I think that's one of the, the saddest things that I, but so easy to fix. So it's not too sad. It's just, it's just kind of like, oh gosh, we're, we've trained our kids because we are so critical of ourselves as adults and our parents, the boomers or, you know, and we're so quick to say, oh, you're doing it wrong. Let me do that. You know, I remember working in a Montessori preschool years ago and one of the teachers or assistants said, oh, you're putting your shoes on the wrong feet. And I could just see the demeanor in this three-year-old when they're trying and they're doing their best and they're not actually putting them on the wrong feet. They're just putting them on opposite feet and, (laughs) you know, and you can fix that easily. So that really helped me to change the way that I spoke to children. Mm. And it's, and instead of saying the word, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it like this is opposite. Let's change these. How do they feel? Like, look at your feet. Like they're going to realize they're going to notice that they're on the wrong feet because they are on the wrong feet. But I think giving kids that early, like that sense of like doing something wrong when really they're learning and we have to make mistakes in order to learn. So there's a few other programs. You're not just, you're, you've added a few programs. We've got Kitchen Witch Potions for Your Skin. I know, I know. So I am an herbalist as well, a folk herbalist, I'd say. I'm kind of one of those people that longs for that grandmother that was a medicine doctor or something that had all the secrets, but that's that's just not there. So I my, my grandmother was a gardener, but I think a lot of us have, and I think We're all connected to someone who gardened or has made food and medicine from the garden, but we're very removed from that um, in the last several generations. And my parents are like, oh, my God, who are you? Who have you become? (laughs) (laughs) Because they were, you know, mom wanted me to be a cheerleader and a sorority girl and marry a doctor. And I was like, what? I'm going to ride horses and, and play outside and and now I, my dad comes over and he's like, what are these sticks and twicks over here in this, my cereal or granola or whatever. He's yeah. just, so I do, I'm learning. I'm actually taking a course right now. A lot of it is, you know, self-taught and just actually when I went into the public school system for the first time and my little boy was one and he was at an at-home daycare with just four children. But between he and I, like we were bringing so much stuff home because I'd never been in the public school setting. He'd never been with other children yet. And We were sick all the time and he had these teeny little, I guess, windpipe and ear canals. So he, anytime he'd get stuffy, he would get an ear infection and he had to be on an antibiotic. And then it was like a couple months later he got, or maybe not even a couple months, like a couple weeks, he got another little cold and they wanted to put him on another antibiotic. So I contacted one of my dear friends that I grew up with and she in North Carolina and she was in Arizona getting her doctorate in homeopathic medicine. Because in Arizona, they recognize you as a doctor. And in North Carolina, you're not recognized. And I said, what do I do? And she had a little one who was a little older than me. And she said, garlic oil. Just put garlic oil in his ear anytime he gets a stuffy nose. And so I would. And, I, you know, it kind of led me. I was like, oh, gosh, we, we have everything we need. Oregano oil. I rubbed that on the bottom of his feet when he had croup. Garlic oil kept him off of antibiotics. And we knock on wood. We haven't been on an antibiotic in five years in our house. Wow, that's amazing. And it's all things that we already have in our kitchen. 
or we have growing out here or you can buy at the store elderberry syrup is big in my fridge you know I make that and and in the last last year I signed up for a course with Rosemary Gladstar so I don't know if you know her but she is a world-renowned herbalist she's probably in her 70s now and she offers an online course so just to go a little deeper in my studies and kind of branch out and become more comfortable and heal more I can't thank you enough for your time and sharing your story I feel like we should be coming back in a year or half a year to to check in and see what's evolved in your outdoor classroom. So if anybody wanted to find you, how could they find you? I can be found at wildearthwonder.com. So I have a website and Instagram is a great place too. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Victoria. Did you know that outdoor classrooms improve children's emotional, intellectual, and behavioral development while helping foster the development of creativity, problem-solving, independence, and confidence? The problem is, overwhelm, fear, and a lack of time can often make achieving any outdoor classroom vision into reality more trouble than it's worth. Did you know that we have a membership community at Outdoor Classrooms? It's the leading training community for educators and parents interested in cultivating outdoor classrooms and creating nature-based curriculum. It's a membership to support, collaborate, educate, and bring like-minded educators together. And it's packed with in-depth practical training and resources for all aspects of planning, running, and growing a sustainable outdoor classroom, plus the community support you need to ensure your teaching gardens achieve their full potential. 